Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. From Kazakhstan to Korea, Turkey to Thailand, the currency outlook is looking pretty dire. China's devaluation and the Fed's anticipated rate rise is causing all sorts of adjustments in the EMFX landscape. The question is, when will it end? I'm Roger Blitz and welcome to Hard Currency, the FT's weekly podcast looking at all things Forex. These are meant to be quiet days in mid-August where nothing really excites currency traders. Nothing feels like it could be further from the truth right now. So with me to discuss all this is Jane Foley, Senior FX Strategist at Rabobank. Jane, it's been a pretty torrid few days. It all points to that decision last week by the People's Bank of China to devalue the renminbi. I mean, the real signal, to my mind, is not so much whether this meant exchange rate liberalisation, significant though that is, but what it says about the state of the Chinese economy. I think you're absolutely right. And I think the common denominator, you know, with this news and all of the news from EM recently is slow Chinese growth. And of course, as Warren Buffett said some time ago, when the tide goes out, we see who's swimming naked. And without the blanket, if you like, or the support of Chinese growth, it really has exposed some of the fundamentals in some EM countries. Now, some of them have got bad politics. We can maybe point to Turkey. We can point to certainly some others. But within some others, and certainly some in, in Asia, you look at slow structural reform. We can look at South Africa, a number of nations, uh, Brazil, slow structural reform. Others, of course, large current account deficits. And what that does is it exposes them to the change of tide. When international investors pull the money back out, when risk appetite goes down, then those with the large current account deficits are exposed. And again, Turkey certainly comes to mind with respect to that. So China and perhaps a lack of growth in China has very much exposed perhaps poor fundamentals in a number of countries and capital flight is certainly taking place. So is there anything in particular about why it's happening now? We seem to have a bit of a perfect storm. We have the Fed deliberating on rate rises. Uh, We also have clearly commodity prices tanking. I mean, there's a bit of cause and effect here to discuss perhaps, or frankly, does it really matter? Well, there is certainly a link between all of those things. And for instance, if we take the commodity prices, we've got to remember who is the largest consumer of many commodities. And of course, that's China. And we can look at iron ore, we can look at dairy, we can look at coal, coal, iron ore, used in the production of other metals. And of course, China, the biggest consumer of those. If we look who exports those, well, Brazil, Australia, except to dairy, New Zealand, there's a number of countries that have China as either the first or second export partner. And therefore, if if growth in China does slow, they are very exposed. Now, of course, a number of those countries are commodities producers. A number of those happen to be in the EM universe, South Africa, for instance, Brazil, for instance. But then, of course, we have the likes of Australia, New Zealand, also exposed, but because they're developed countries, they are a little bit better diversified and perhaps a little bit able to take this. So it is very much all linked. Uh, So just separating out 
if we can separate out, but the Fed decision, I suppose my point about this perfect storm is that it, it, it's happening right now and there's clearly a lot of attention on the Fed. I mean, the real issue is should the Fed care about it? Will it care about the damage that's being done across EM? Well, I think anyone standing in an EM country would say they certainly should care about that. And we have had a number of EM significant figures, the central banker of uh, India, for instance, go into the Fed in recent years and say, look, you do need to pay attention to what damage policy in the Fed can do to EM. Now, we've had the minutes of the July FOMC meeting. There were concerns expressed about China. And whilst back then in July, that which is the meeting that these minutes refer to, back then we knew we had a huge amount of volatility in the Chinese stock market, that the bubble had burst in that market. Now I would say that the concerns about Chinese growth have spread and certainly the devaluation of the renminbi last week really drew attention to that. So the Fed, I think, should care. I think it will care. To what degree that will perhaps prevent it from hiking interest rates in September is is a more difficult question to ask. But certainly we think December is is a far more likely timeframe for an interest rate hike, given these concerns about China, because for a lot of EM countries, particularly those with large amounts of dollar-denominated debt, an interest rate hike from the Fed is just another layer of bad news. I mean, okay, so you're a central bank policymaker somewhere in EM. What do you do? Do you wait and see whether September happens at the Fed? Or do you start to take action? Because we've seen some of that happen. We saw Vietnam do it. We've seen a 20% devaluation by the National Bank Kazakhstan. And a lot of people are talking about further adjustments going on. These are going to happen pretty much from now onwards, irrespective of what the Fed does. Yes, I think really the uh, devaluation of the renminbi did focus the minds of other central bankers. In fact, I would say for Vietnam, I mean, they've moved their currency three times, I think, this year. Last week's move by China just forced them to go again. And many central banks around that region perhaps are already considering what they were going to do in the face of weak growth. But the, the Chinese devaluation is certainly going to focus their minds. Now, for many of those countries, it's really not an easy situation. They have perhaps a situation where growth is looking bad. They certainly don't want to take too much action on interest rates to try and prop up their currencies if that's going to mean it's going to tighten the screws on the economy even more. So they are in difficult positions. But it will also come back to the developing world. For instance, a lot of the capital flight has come back into, I'd say, the euro. The euro was used as a funding currency. The euro is now strong. The ECB will not like that. It's still got low growth and low inflationary pressures. What action will the ECB take? Can it take any action? Bank of Japan, Australia. So there's a huge amount of reactions yet to come from central banks around the world. So if you were a hawk on the uh, Fed, this uh, Chinese devaluation has happened at the worst possible time. I would say so. And again, I mean, we look at those minutes from July. They did express concern about inflation in the US. It's still extremely moderate. They did nod towards the Chinese difficulties. And I think, you know, bring that forward. And if that meeting was taking place today, I think the, the concerns about China would certainly have stepped up at a couple of degrees. Jane, look, how bad is this? I'm afraid the media like to try and compare this with crisis of the past. Are we in anywhere near a kind of a, an Asian type EM crisis or just an EM crisis generally? What do you make of the risk of some sudden shock market meltdown? 
I would like to think and to say that the crisis that we've had in the past have taught us lessons in terms of the structure of our banks and in terms of perhaps the structure of foreign exchange reserves. But I think really what this boils down to is perhaps just more slow growth, mm. more low inflationary pressures and another episode in the history of of the globe which teaches us that trying to get back to what we thought was a normal pace of growth a normal pace of inflation is again pushed out of our reach jane thank you very much indeed that was jane foley at rabobank if you'd like to comment on this podcast or throw in a question for next week why don't you email me i'm on roger.blitz at ft.com Please keep up to date with all the latest Forex news and analysis. That's on our website, which is ft.com slash fx. We'll be back next week to follow the latest fluctuations in the Forex market. Join us again then. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you might like to try our FT News podcasts, which focus on one of the main issues of the day and bring you the insights and expertise of our global network of journalists, as well as outside contributors. You can download these at ft.com slash podcasts most days of the week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's Corient.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.